been coming here for a little over a year, making the drive from Athens every Sunday, coming worshiping with you. And, uh, man, it's been good. It's been as good as I've ever experienced. And, and I visited a lot of churches and led worship in a lot of churches where I went and helped out for a few months for several years before I came here. And I just never, never joined up. They wanted me to come and stay, but I said, no, you know, I'll help you out until somebody else comes along or until, until God tells me to go somewhere else. But when I came here, it was just different. And I just really felt God was inviting me to bring my family here and to join in because it didn't take long to see that I believe that Doug had a vision and that he had heard from God and that he had sold out to it and he was just giving his life to see it come to pass. And I hadn't been here but just a couple Sundays and I told my wife, I said, I'm buying what he's selling. I believe he's heard God and I believe he's, that God is going to use him. He's going to do something awesome here and I, I'm buying it and I want to, I want to be a part of it. So that's why I bring my son and my family here week after week, and we make the drive to come here. And I have no regrets. It's been awesome. But I've been struggling with something for a while, and, and lately it's just the struggle has just grown worse. And, and I, I was just praying about it this morning and, and just got an answer. You see, week after week, Doug comes, and he brings, he comes and he opens the Word of God, which is the bread of life. And he opens it and he breaks it into bite-sized pieces where we can put it in our mouth and we can take it and we can chew on it all week, you know, the Word of God. And we can chew on it and we can ponder on it and meditate it and we can swallow it if we will and digest it. And if, when we do that with the Word of God, it, it works itself out. It assimilates itself in our hands and in our feet and in our mouth and in everything that we think and do. It works its way out. And how God changes us is through His Word entering into it. And we can choose to come here and hear the Word of God and to take it and put it in our mouth, but when we walk out the door, we can spit it out. But if we do take it and we chew on it and we meditate on it and allow it to, to digest, it changes us bit by bit. And Doug, without fail, week after week, does his job. He brings the bread of life and, and breaks it open. And Alex, man, I look forward to when we have a video because he nails his job. But these videos are hilarious. I'm actually disappointed when we don't have one every week. But I know it takes a lot of time and a lot of work. So I commend Alex. He's just his videos and and the guys who are acting. It's just incredible. I've never been to a church that did anything like that. And then Janie and the kids downstairs. I mean, they're just knocking themselves out to minister to those kids and do an incredible job. And then you got Heather and all her out back there in the kitchen and Man, it's just cooking up a storm. It doesn't get any better. Sometimes it's hard to worship because I smell this food smells so good, you know. Everybody's just nailing their job, but I'm just struggling because I don't feel like I am. I don't feel like I am. You know, I'm coming and singing and playing, but I've just been praying, God, you know, what have I got to bring the table? There's so many people that come and, and the needs are all so different. And everyone's in a different place and got hurts. You know, and I know what it's like to hurt so bad that it it takes all your strength just to breathe in and out. I know there's some here that's like that, and there's some here that's just afraid. You got things going on in your life, and it seems like your life's out of control. You don't know what you're going to do. Got others that are just seeking answers, and you got some here that may not even know God, and they're like, What is this whole thing about? God, you know, what in the world can I bring to the table? And God. Spoke to this morning in that special way it is. You know, it wasn't like me speaking to you. I don't hear a voice, but it's, it's somehow that God, I don't know how he does it, but he speaks from the inside out, from inside of you, and you hear him and you know it's God. And he spoke to me and he said, they're thirsty. 
thirsty. And I said, you know what, you're right. Because I'm thirsty too. You see, God, Jesus, is so many things. He is the bread of life. He is the Word of God made flesh. But He's also the living water. And the best is I know how to explain it is when you come before God and you're humble. You're not proud when you're not arrogant, but you come humbly and honest and open before God and you share your heart and your hurts and your needs and you say, God, here I am. In a manner of speaking, spiritually like Adam and Eve naked in the garden because you're not hiding anything and you're not wearing a mask and you're just saying, God, here I am. And when you come before God like that, open and honest and humble and just tell Him your needs and your hurts. And then when you take those and you lay them at the altar at His feet and you say, God, in spite of all this that's going on, I'm going to worship You anyway because You are worthy. And when we do that is when we experience the living water. That's when God quenches that longing inside of us that nothing else can quench and satisfy. That is Jesus, the living water, giving you that drink. And my job is to bring the living water. Not that it's not here even when I don't do it, but to make you aware of it and say, come and drink. And that's what I'm doing this morning. I'm inviting you. Right where you are with all your hurts and all your things that are going on in your life. To confess those before God and just be honest and humble. And just to lay them down. We're going to sing a couple more songs. And praise Him. Because I guarantee you, from my, my experience, I guarantee you, if you're thirsty and you ask Him for a drink, He will not turn you away. Ever. It's a gimme. So I just want to invite you to worship. Do what you need to do with God this morning. Just, but if you're thirsty, come get a drink. And, and I feel pretty certain that everyone has heard the old expression that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. I'm not in any way comparing anyone here to a horse, but I've done all I can do. I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you to come with me because I'm going to get me a drink this morning. I took my cup out this morning. It was dusty. And I said, oh, God, that's not right. Fill my cup. There's plenty. Worship with us this morning. If you weren't here last week, I need to explain a couple of things I have up here. First of all, the bench. Um, True story and truth, you know, is a lot of times stranger than fiction. Um, in the Metroplex, there was a guy getting gas. He saw somebody jogging along with a big old Doberman attached to a leash, kind of like this. He stops by this gas station, ties the dog to a bench, just like this, goes in to get something to drink. The problem is that the, this Doberman gets startled, and he takes off running with such force that the bench that was anchored into the concrete is ripped out of the concrete, is drugged along across the, the parking lot to this busy freeway. Sparks are flying, just stuff is happening. The guy who's watching the scene said he's just going, ah! 
you know, you're going to die. Well, you're wondering what's going on. So about that time, the dog goes out there and this, this SUV slams on its brakes. The dog stops. But the problem is the bench keeps going and smashes into the SUV and parts start flying off the car. And then the dog gets startled again. He runs back towards this Volkswagen. I think the bench is about as big as the Volkswagen. And he stops short of the Volkswagen. The, the bench slams into the Volkswagen. Bam! The owner of the dog sees what's going on. The master, the owner of the gas station sees what's going on. They come flying out and, and the dog sees his master and stops. He just kind of chills for a second. So the master unleashes him from the bench and uh, leads him to safety. And, you know, the, the uh, owner of the gas station, he picks up the, the now tattered bench and throws it into the uh, dumpster over there by the side because it was just kind of wasted at that point. And uh, regardless of what they told their insurance company, when you think about the bench... And you think about our subject matter today, the, the, the real F word, forgiveness. A lot of us are like that Doberman, and we are carrying stuff from our past into relationships, and we are causing all kinds of collateral damage. We are, we are injuring people today with stuff that happened to us 10, 15, 20 years ago because we refuse to forgive. We are still leashed up to unforgiveness. And we've got to talk about those things because if we're ever going to achieve what God has for us, that, that wonderful plan that God has for our lives, we've got to look to our Master who desires by the blood of Jesus on the cross to cleanse us and to free us, to unleash us from our past. And that's, that's what this whole series is about. And one of the, uh, one of the things that, that I'm going to talk about today, first thing on your listening guide is unleashing unforgiveness is unbelievable. Last week we talked about that it's unnatural because you want to hold on, you want to hold on to your past and I do too. But this week we're going to talk about there's unbelievable benefits to forgiving others. And I want you to think about those benefits as you watch this video clip right here. You ready for this? Fifteen love. Fifteen? That was like your first point. How about I give you an easy one? Thirty love, Pansy. Thirty? That's two points. What's wrong with your counting? I got two points on your mama. You didn't... Keep an eye on this one. It's coming down your throat. Equipment of the game? I'll tell you what, I'm going to settle a score right now. How are you going to settle this? What are you doing? What are you doing? No, 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 not the bracket! The good book! Use the good book. This is your weapon, son. The Bible. The Bible says in Job, listen, listen, look at me. It says, For vexation killeth the foolish man, and envy slayeth the silly. What's that mean? It means you should drop the F. Bomb on him. Dude, I cannot say f in front of all these little kids. What are you doing? No! The Jesus F bomb. I forgive you. Can we find something better to do? 
I'm sick of all this competitiveness. of people watching that. <laughs> Lots of people. Um, y'all didn't tell them, you know, where you were from or anything, did you? Uh, oh, my. Now, if only releasing someone were so easy, right? I mean, we can, we can videotape it and it looks real good and we can play the corny song about it feels good to be forgiven. And that's all true, but we've got to do some work in order to be forgiven. The question that I have for you is who's sitting on your bench? could be a, a parent. It could be a spouse. might be the person you're sitting next to. Um, you may have somebody tied to your bench, and you are trying to punish them because they've hurt you in the past. And we've got to deal with that if we're ever going to get on with our lives. And you may be pointing the finger and saying, it's this person's fault. It's whoever's sitting here on the bench. And some of you, I may be on your bench. You know, you're pointing to me. It's him. It's that sucker up there that's preaching. Um, but, but could it be that, that you're pointing at the wrong person? Could it be that that maybe you need to point at this leash that has you tied to your past and you need to do some work of forgiving? Um, Maybe you've never, ever truly allowed God to invade your heart and and to give you um, a release from your past to help you forgive someone. And so maybe it's not the person's fault that you're blaming right now you're in relationship with. Maybe it's stuff that happened a long time ago that you're dragging into the relationship and you refuse to forgive and you refuse to accept what God has offered you on the cross. Maybe that's the real problem. Maybe the problem is not the person sitting on the bench. Maybe the problem is the person who looks back at you from the mirror every morning. And maybe you need to do some work um, to deal with that. Well, we're going to talk about some incredible benefits Forgiveness has some incredible benefits, and there's four particular benefits that I want to talk to you about today. The first benefit is emotional. Now, Job 5.2, instead of vexation slayeth the uh, whatever man. Silly. No, that's the second one. That was, that was envy killeth the silly or slayeth the silly. Job 5.2 says resentment kills a fool. The word resentment means to think again. It's like turning whatever happened to you over and over again on the rotisserie grill of your mind. And what happens when you do that? You ever you ever lose sleep when when you have something bad happen to you? That's resentment that's keeping you awake because you keep replaying it. I know this happened to me just a couple weeks ago. I was up most of the night because I kept replaying it over and over again. And all that happens when when you do that, what happens is you get miserable. You get negative about life. And what happens is when you get negative, when I get negative, you want everybody else around you to be negative with you. You know, misery loves company type stuff. And so if you're happy and I'm negative, I don't want you to be happy. I mean, I'm just being real honest with you here. I'm, I'm so spiritually mature. I want to bring you down where I am. And you do too. And so we do things to you. Sometimes it's subconsciously. We'll do things to other people to bring them down and to help them be negative as well so that we feel a little bit better about ourselves. Unforgiveness can eat us alive emotionally, can tear us apart. And so I challenge you to look at people who are negative around you and don't don't ask the uh, the the don't ask the what question. Ask the why. Why are they negative? Because. 
Um, you show me a negative, miserable person, and I'll show you someone who has never experienced the forgiveness of God. They may up here say, oh yeah, I understand about what Jesus did on the cross. I understand forgiveness, but they've never experienced forgiveness. And because they haven't experienced it, they cannot give forgiveness to other people. You've seen miserable people, right? They haven't experienced it, and they don't give it to other folks. Um, I want you to think about that. As you watch this video clip, now this is from The Princess Bride, one of my favorite movies of all time. My kids and I quote it all the time, you know. Um, But what you're going to see here is actually a compilation of of three different scenes. Anigo Montoya, um, his main thing is, you killed my father, prepare to die. So you're going to see him talk about that. You're going to see him kill the guy who killed his father, and then you're going to see the result of that. Here we go. I do not mean to pry, but you don't by any chance happen to have six fingers on your right hand? Do you always begin conversations this way? My father was slaughtered by a six-fingered man. It was a great sword like my father. When the six-fingered man appeared and requested a special sword, my father took the job. He slept a year before he was done. I've never seen a sequel. Six-fingered man returned and demanded it. But at one-tenth his promised price. My father refused. Without a word, the six-fingered man slashed him through the heart. I love my father. So naturally, I challenge his murderer to a duel. I fight. Six-fingered man gave me a life. But he gave me this. How old were you? I was 11 years old. When I was strong enough, I dedicated my life to the study of fencing. So the next time we meet, I will not fail. I will go up to the six-fingered man and say, Hello, my name is Yenigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Kill the Dark One and the Giant, but leave the third for questioning. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die.
You must be that little Spanish brat I taught a lesson to all those years ago. Simply incredible. You've been tracing me your whole life only to fail now. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. How marvellous. Good heavens. Are you still trying to win? You've got an overdeveloped sense of vengeance. It's going to get you into trouble someday. Kill my father. Prepare to die. Hello. My name is Diego Montoya. You kill my father. Prepare to die. Hello. My name is Diego Montoya. You kill my father. Prepare to die. Stop saying that. Promise me that. All that I have and more. Please. Offer me everything I ask for. Anything you want. I want my father back. in the revenge business so long. Now that it's over, I don't know what to do with the rest of my life. Have you ever um, known of anything that over-promises but under-produces? Like technology. I don't care what cell phone you go and you sign up for today. You know, it's the latest, greatest, you know, can download stuff. You can ESPN off the Internet, you know, all that stuff. Tomorrow something will be better. But, but do those same cell phones ever underproduce? Big stinking deal if I can download ESPN, if I can't call you when my car breaks down because I'm out the other side of pert. You know, technology all, all the time, it overpromises and underproduces and resentment's the same way. People think that resentment pays off. And, and you know, this doesn't really happen. If he got stabbed in the stomach, you know, vengeance isn't going to miraculously give him the power to kill his father's killer. But there at the end, he tells the truth. I've been in the vengeance business so long, I don't know what to do. And I think a lot of people are that way in their lives. There's a second benefit to forgiveness, and it's relational. Another unbelievable benefit is the relational benefit. Now, um, the Bible says in Ephesians 4.32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. If it stopped there, it would be bueno. It would be muy bueno. But it goes on and says... Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Sometimes the Bible just gets on my nerves. 
Because I don't want to forgive people as God forgave me. Right? It doesn't matter if I want to or not. The Bible says to do it. And if I'm a follower of Christ, then I must obey. And you must too. You know, in the, um, in the Cold War, who was our enemy? Russia. What were, what were we afraid Russia would do? Nukas. So what did we do to offset Russia? We built all these nukes. They built all these nukes. And I just read yesterday, an article yesterday about all these abandoned um, radars in, in the hill country around San Antonio. They were talking about these massive structures out on the hills and they've got these huge um, antiquated radars because these radars were specifically built to monitor the, the missile launches from nuclear submarines from Russia. Well, now that Russia's nuclear submarines are rotting in dry dock somewhere, these, these uh, radars don't have any more use. But we were so worried, you know, that they were going to shoot first. But, but the reason they didn't was because then we could shoot second. And, you know, regardless of who did the first strike, the others were going to retaliate while the missiles were in the air. And then everybody's going to be blown up and nobody would be able to talk about winning the war. So we were afraid of war. We were afraid of preemptive strikes. They were afraid, afraid of preemptive strikes. But Jesus did something relationally. He dropped the biggest bomb known to man relationally. And um, he did something that was the complete opposite of war. He said in these verses, Ephesians 4.32, to do preemptive forgiveness. That's a relational bomb. I was in, in high school. I went on youth camp trip and, uh, and I was a brat. I was a jerk. You know, I was one of those. The reason I was so hard on the youth group when I was youth ministers, because I was a jerk when I was in the youth group. And I was like, there's not going to be somebody like me hanging out at, at youth camp. Yeah, Nathan's going, that's why. Um, but one time we were at youth camp and we were doing, you know, we weren't, we weren't real bad, but we were just not real respectful of authority and all of those things. And uh, we did some stuff that kind of disrespected our youth leader. He was one of our coaches at, our, at my church. And the next morning... He walks up to me and I, I expect him. I mean, I've got my defenses up. I'm ticked off. I'm ready. I'm ready for a verbal spat. And the dude looks at me. I'll never forget. He looks at me and he goes, Doug, I can't tell you how much I love you. What kind of fight is that? I was hacked. I told him later, later that night, man, God just rocked my world that whole day. Later that night, we're in our little youth group share time. And they said, anybody want to share what God's been teaching you today? And I said, yeah, I do. And I stood up and I said, Coach, it ticked me off when you told me you love me. Because I was wanting to be mad. I was wanting to fight. And I said, you blew me away. And it's one of the first times I asked for forgiveness in front of a group. And it was later that week that God called me into ministry. That part didn't hit me till yesterday. I was sitting there reading through the sermon, you know, kind of going through things, and, and it hit me yesterday. That's when... God opened up my ears and said, I want you to give your life to me. And I really think that what opened my ears was somebody doing this preemptive forgiveness. I did not deserve it. He should have put me on a bus and sent me home. That's what he should have done. But he loved me, did that preemptive strike, and I was totally disarmed by it. I couldn't fight with the guy anymore. I respect him to this day. If I were to see him today, I'd go up and say, hey, you remember that? I know he wouldn't remember it because I was a jerk. But I'd say, dude, you were instrumental in changing my life because you did this preemptive forgiveness stuff. Well, that verse challenges me to get involved in preemptive forgiveness too. 
I should live a life of forgiveness whether someone else deserves it or not. Because Jesus did His part before we deserved it. He suffered and bled and died on a cross long before you and I ever thought about asking for His forgiveness. And then He challenges us to do the same thing. Be involved in preemptive forgiveness and watch what happens in relationships in your life. And I'm not talking about... um, um, you know, baby Christianity here. I'm talking about graduate level Christianity. This is tough stuff, but you will not find an immature Christian doing it. You only find mature Christians practicing this because they want to be like their Lord. They want to be like Jesus Christ. You know, we got to be careful because people will say, well, I don't feel like forgiving. So what? Feelings are dangerous. Um, I was just thinking about this. How often do you feel like getting out of bed when the alarm goes off, Nathan? You're not a morning person. Nathan's not a morning person. It's the grace of God that he, he was here before me today. Um, Janie's not a morning person either. How many times do you think she feels like getting out of bed when that alarm goes off? She doesn't. But why do you get up? Because you have to. Not because you feel like it. Why do they say don't go grocery shopping? I, I've done this many times. Why do they say don't go grocery shopping on an empty stomach? You're like this hog, you know, throwing stuff in. I can eat that, I can eat that, I can eat that. And then you pay way more money than you should when you get to the front because you're starving. Why, why do you think someone who's suffering from, from depression or, or something like that shouldn't operate heavy machinery? You want somebody that's really struggling emotionally, driving an 18-wheeler during the middle of the night through downtown Dallas? No, Why? Because feelings are dangerous. You cannot depend on feelings. And, and one of the things we've got to realize is love binds us together. We know that, right? Unforgiveness also binds us to people. We are leashed up to folks in our past. And, and we can't trust our feelings. Let's say you're a divorced woman. And let's say your husband had multiple affairs and, and you know, you, you just despise him and you are leashed up to him because of your hurt feelings, because of your anger. And, and really, that's the only, the only con- connection you have with him anymore is, is this stuff from your past. And, and maybe hate has become your hobby and you've become good at it. You'll destroy every future relationship you have. Did you know that's why a lot of times... Um, you know, the first marriage ends in divorce about 50% of the time. The statistics for second marriages goes up to 60. Third marriages, it's 75% of the time they end up in divorce. You want to know why? It's because the problem is not the other person. We carry the same things, same problems we have, the emotional baggage with us, into the new relationship. And if we are not healed, we'll just carry that, that bench and we'll just destroy other relationships as well. And if we'll get healthy, one of the key things you can do before, you know, before getting married the first time, second time, however many, the key thing you need to do is get healthy and make sure that your, your future spouse is healthy as well. Then you've got a much higher rate of success in your marriage. Um, you're going to miss what God has for you if you're tied up to the past. Now, here's something else. Um, about doing this preemptive work of forgiveness. Yes, we've got to preemptively forgive other people whether they ask for it or not, whether they deserve it or not. But we've also got to do the work of going to someone that we've hurt. Not only are we supposed to forgive people that hurt us, but if we know that somebody has something against us, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to go to them and we're supposed to do the work of forgiveness with them as well. And and that's pretty tough. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that, that you need to... Um, be best friends with them, but you've got to go to them and you've got to ask for forgiveness. Now, 
I brought this ball and some of you are wondering what's going on with it. I was thinking about this and let me show you what what uh, forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not me saying. Janie, sorry. Or uh, or I, I could do. Um, sorry, honey, or sorry. <laughs> you know, if your feelings were hurt, <laughs> sorry. You know, because what that's doing is I have the ball in my court. I've still got control. Here is the real work of forgiveness. Nathan's upset with me. I go to Nathan and I say, Nathan, I'm sorry. He already knows that. If I've offended him, he, he's thinking I'm sorry. Now, so I don't need to admit that, but I go to him and I say, dude, I was wrong. And here it is. Here's the key. This is forgiveness work. I say, Nathan, will you forgive me? And I open my heart wide open. Because he may chunk the ball at me. I meant to tell you to do that. He may throw the ball at me and say, the not Jesus F word or something. And you're like, well, what about that? Well, that's not my problem. If I throw the ball to him and I say, will you forgive me? And he says, no, that's between him and God because I've done my part. And, and if he wants to choose to do that, I can't hold on to it because when I do, I'm just leashing myself up to the past. And, and it doesn't do it. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, <laughs> I want you to think about somebody in your past that maybe you need to go to and say, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Because I am so sick of athletes, professional athletes. They'll come out and they'll do these press conferences. If I have offended anyone, I'm sorry. Well, dipstick, if you hadn't offended anyone, you wouldn't have to say it. It's obvious you offended someone, so don't say if. Say, I screwed up. I was wrong. And look into the camera and say, will you forgive me? Don't say, if I've offended. I'm so sick of that. Mm -mm. Admit it. Everybody knows you've done it. And, you know, I want you to think about a name and a face. In Celebrate Recovery or in, in AA or you know, any of the 12-step things, one of the steps is you have to go make amends. You cannot get fully healed. You cannot fully recover until you make amends with someone um, in your past. And it doesn't mean that you have to go hang out with every person. You don't have to find everyone that you've ever offended in your life and walk and bring this bench into the middle of their life today and drop it in and just ruin their lives because maybe they've gone on with it. If you've got questions about who you need to go to, then talk to a trusted Christian friend or get Christian counseling and figure out who you need to go to and, and, um, and figure out what, what needs to happen because great things happen relationally when you do this work of forgiveness. Well, there's another benefit. It's physical. Third, unbelievable benefit. Physical. Isn't that crazy? Let's say that you know, I take this piece of paper and I accidentally get a, a, a paper cut. Now... It's small, but what happens if I don't treat that right? That little paper cut can eventually poison my whole system, right? And it's the same thing with unforgiveness. We've got a lot of people running around that are poisoned because they have bitterness and, and unforgiveness in their life. Proverbs 14.30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body. A heart at peace gives life to the body. You can tell people whose, whose hearts are at peace because it shows on their face. It shows in the way they live life. And the, the strange thing to me is that science is just now figuring this stuff out. Um, you won't believe this. Uh, let me ask you this. Does anybody have chronic back pain? Raise your hand. If you've got chronic back pain, you're going to wish you hadn't raised your hand. Because um, a recent study showed that giving up grudges 
can reduce chronic back pain. You know, we're, we're running around going to doctors. I, I love doctors. We're going to chiropractors. Love chiropractors. When maybe sometimes the problem is we need to go to the great physician and allow him to unleash us from our past. It, it gets better than that. Another study found that forgiveness limited the relapses among women battling substance abuse problems. Hello? If you forgive, a lot of times it makes it easier not to go back to drugs is what that one's saying. An even more interesting project explained that just thinking about empathy, thinking about reconciliation sparks this activity, I've got to get this right, in the brain's left middle temporal gyrus, suggesting that we have a pre-wired spot in our brain that begins uh, becoming active whenever we think about forgiveness. Hello, God pre-wired it there. God designed it that way. And just thinking about it um, gets our minds flowing. This is not news to God. God's been saying this for 2,000 years. Science is just figuring it out. One study at Stanford University made sure to emphasize that forgiving doesn't necessarily mean forget, uh, uh, forgetting or condoning the offense. You know, we, we know that. You, you're not saying what they did was right, but you're, you're moving on. And I'm not saying, you know, that you go get a, a cabin on a cruise ship and take a 30-day Mediterranean cruise with the person who offended you. That's not what I'm saying. Or going to Ma- Six Flags or Mavericks game or whatever. But it, it says that, that if you forgive, it can slash your stress level up to 50%. Hmm. Um, volunteers of that study have shown improvements in energy, mood, sleep quality, and overall physical vitality. Many have lost over 60 pounds. No, I'm just kidding. I made that last part up. Um, but the doctor in charge of the project said this. Carrying around a load of bitterness and anger at how unfairly you were treated is very, very toxic. Don't you see the brilliance of God? He doesn't want you leashed up to something that will poison you. So he has made a way for you to get that poison out of your system. The last benefit is spiritual. It's unbelievable emotionally, relationally, physically, and it's unbelievably spiritually as well. In Luke 19, Jesus met Zacchaeus. You remember he met him in a tree. And Zach, Zach was a tax collector. And we've said before that in the Jewish society, being a tax collector was worse than, lower than being a dung collector. <laughs> That's the way they looked at tax collectors. These were people who were traitors to their people. He routinely ripped off the Jews You know, the guys at Enron, they have nothing on tax collectors, on Zacchaeus from back in the day. And and hanging out with Jesus totally changed Zacchaeus, and I'll tell you why. He was so ambushed and smitten by the forgiveness of God that he walked out onto his beautiful front porch and he said this, Luke 19.8. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, Sir, from now on I will give half my wealth to the poor, and if I have overcharged anyone on his taxes, I will penalize myself by giving him back four times as much. You ever gotten that promise from Uncle Sam? No. <laughs> He's never promised to give me four times as much back on my taxes. I mean, I have to prove... Anyway, that's another story. <laughs> April 15th coming up. That's on my mind. I can't help that. You can easily tell when someone has, has uh, forgiven you or have, they have forgiveness in their souls because their actions match their words. Words are cheap. I've had people tell me, I forgive you and I love you and all this stuff, but then their actions totally betray what they just told me. Um... You can tell if they mean it by the way they act. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And there's another one of those things. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Um, One of the biggest things that keeps us from reaching our potential in Jesus Christ is unforgiveness. And so I want to tell you what you can do. The number one thing you need to do, if you don't want to forgive, the number one thing you can do is consider the cross. Look at this uh, clip 
as we consider the cross. They're ridiculing him as he's hanging on the cross. And I can't watch that. You know, that's, that's from the Passion of the Christ. And I remember being overwhelmed emotionally the first time I saw it. At the physical beating that Jesus took. And when I look at that, everything anybody has done to me personally pales in comparison to what I did to put Him there. So if you're struggling with forgiveness, think about the cross. Consider the cross. Because it will motivate you. Nothing you've done to me or nothing anyone has ever done to you will ever be as bad as what we did to Jesus. And he said, forgive them, Lord, because they don't know what's going on. Second thing you can do if you don't want to forgive is realize that resentment does not work. Regardless of what Inigo Montoya would tell you, forgiveness does not work. It's a dead-end road. Um, you won't get back at the person. The person that, that hurt you is probably out having a blast in life. They don't even know you're ticked at them. And you're over there licking your wounds in the corner. I can't believe what they did. I'm just all leashed up to them. Just release them. And, and I'm not saying this is an easy deal, but what you've got to do is you've got to pray. And we're going to do this in a minute and say, God, give me the power to release them. Next week we're going to talk about forgiveness is really four-dimensional. You know, we've got the 3D here on earth. It's really a spiritual dimension that God has to give you. And, and I've known people that have been raped who have looked their rapist in the eye and said, I forgive you. That doesn't come natural. That's supernatural. And we'll talk next week about how you get that. So you just say, God, you take care of them. I, I can't get them back. I don't even want to. I, I'm wasting life trying to get them back. Number three, remember, this is a big one. Remember that I will need a monster infusion of forgiveness in the future. Okay, you think about the cross. You realize that resentment's a dead-end road. And then you think, I am a colossal screw-up. I'm not just me. You look in the mirror and you think about that too. And you are going to sin. I'm going to sin. We know that. And I'm going to need you to forgive me. And maybe, just maybe, if I practice preemptive forgiveness with you, maybe somewhere down the road when I mess up, you'll practice preemptive forgiveness with me. And it sounds an awful lot like what Jesus said, the golden rule in Matthew 7.12. Here's a simple rule of thumb guide for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative. Circle those words. Grab the initiative and do it for them. Add up God's law and the prophets, and this is what you get. This is the Bible in a nutshell. Grab the initiative. That's preemptive forgiveness. You become a preemptive forgiver, and I guarantee you people will flock to you because they'll not know anybody else like you in the world. 
And grace will flow from you. And people want to hang out with grace-filled people. You don't want to hang out with people that criticize you and, and are bitter and angry, do you? You run from them. But you notice the people in your life who dispense grace. I have a few people. My wife is one of those people. I've got a good friend who's a pastor. He's, he's one of those people. He knows I am an idiot. But he, has, he just covers me with grace. And I enjoy hanging out with him. We've fished many times and he'll say, you know, one of my favorite things about hanging out with you, dude, is I can be myself and you love me. I'm like, dude, you're weirding me out while we're fishing. Don't be talking like that. There's nobody else around. He's like, dude, I'm trying to open up. And I'm like, well, you're just scaring me. So let's get around a group of people and then you can tell me. I want you to, um, I want you to think about this. It's right here. here. Here's the key. I don't know if you can see this or not. Most Christians miss it because because they don't allow God, their Master, to come and do this. You see what I'm doing? God wants to untie you from your past. And I'm really afraid some of you are going to miss it. And you're going to live a life that's like hell on earth. Because dragging this trash around is too much for anybody. I, I, I ask you to take it to the cross today. So I want you just to think about that as, as we bow our heads today. I know a lot of you are tethered, you're hooked up, you're leashed up to unforgiveness. Some of you may be dragging four or five park benches just filled with people from your past around. And you've not forgiven them. And I know you might not feel like it, and most of the time I don't either. But based on what God's Word says, I want you just to say in your mind, God, help me release them. God, release me from my past. Could be an uncle, could be spouse, could be someone ripped you off financially, someone who took advantage of you, a parent. They may have died a couple of decades ago and you're still dragging them around. Just release them. Because God wants us to experience His freedom. And then if we're going to be real today, some of us here have got to do some forgiveness work. And we've got to go look someone eyeball to eyeball and say, will you forgive me? And I know that's scary. I've done it more times than I can count. But every time I've walked away from somebody that I've said, will you forgive me? I feel free in my spirit. And I can walk away from that with my head held high that I did what my, my Father, my Savior, has told me to do. Will you forgive me? And doing that work is not dependent on their response. We've got to do our part. God, thank You for what You're doing here. Pray that um, next week You would fill this place with folks who need to hear about four-dimensional forgiveness. Move in our hearts and compel us to do what You've told us to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.